Welcome back to Epilogues, an unpacking of the weekly Haftarah. You're listening to Rabbi Yaakov Trump. Today we are going to be examining the Haftarah of Parshas Vayeshev. The topic of our Haftarah is discord in society. Our Haftarah is found in the book of Amos in the second parak, Perik Beis, Pasuk Vov, to Perik Gimel, Pasuk Ches. It is a short Haftarah. Let's try to put ourselves into the perspective of what is happening. We're now at the end of the, of, of the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember, the majority of Israel formed their own king in, kingdom called Israel, whereas the, where the base of Migdash stands in the area of Judea is the smaller part of the nation that are still true to God in a larger sense. The northern kingdom have fallen quite far astray of their path, and the prophets towards the end of their era are Hoshea, are Amos, Yeshayahu, number of the prophets towards the end of this era. We also know that they're shortly going to fall to the hands of the Assyrians as the Assyrians will dominate the Middle East and destroy and exile the northern kingdom of Israel. Before that happens, here are some of the prophecies that Amos prophesizes towards these individuals. Here's how it starts. The first section runs for the Perak base, in which he gives a very chilling prophecy. He says, "Al shlosha pishei Yisrael, on three of the sins of Israel, But there's a fourth sin which I won't overlook. There's a fourth sin I won't, perhaps, wave. What is that? Al mechram bakesef tzadik ve'evyon ba'avur na'alaim, on selling the righteous person for shoes, uh, for uh, uh, for silver, a, a righteous person and a poor person." for shoes. Obviously a reference to what seems to be happening in our parasha, which is the idea of brothers selling brothers. And then it goes on to describe all these different corruptions in society about the way that the poor are treated, about the infidelity and immorality in society of fathers and sons consorting with women of the night on on all kinds of terrible things that go on in the Mizbeach, um, the, in, uh, on the altar of God. In the name of God, terrible things are described in this Haftarah about what is really going on in um, society. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I brought you out of Egypt. And I brought you through the desert for 40 years to get this land. And I made prophets of your children. And I made your young men into Nazirim. But instead of instead of listening to those who are supposed to be spiritual leaders in society, you fed those who were spiritually ascetic, you fed them wine to bring them back into society. And you didn't want to hear what the prophets had to say. I'll slow your movements, I'll weigh you down like a laden wagon, which is full of cut grain. Kosh Baruch Hu describes how he'll make it so difficult that even the strongest in society won't be able to raise their hands. What a strong res- response to the way that of corruption that he's noticing in society. Before going into Paragimel, uh, which is the second and last section of the Torah, a few basic questions. You, if you actually go into the Sefer of Amos, there are actually eight prophecies to nations, seven of them to nations outside of Israel. And then this last eighth one is to Israel, which is all begin with the idea of Shlosha Pishay X, while Arba'avla Shivenu. There are three sins that I'm prepared to overlook, but the fourth one is un- un- unbearable. And now it's the turn on Israel. 
So what are the three sins and what are the one sin? So the the generally speaking, Rashi quotes the Gemara Yuma on Pei Vav Amud Aleph, which tells us that it, generally speaking, that Hakadosh Baruch Hu, it, it's the the idea that Hakadosh Baruch Hu generally is going to be more makel, is going to be more lenient when it comes to the beginning of the journey, but not later on. However, Babanel says, but that's not what's mentioned here. It just says that there are three actual sins. What are the actual sins here? It says they refer to the three cardinal or most basic sins. They are Avodah that is um, idolatry. Gilaras, adultery, and murder, um, that Akash Baruch Hu says that ultimately um, the, these were sins were, were endemic in society. He says, however, um, there, there is going to be one sin, the fourth sin, which is Loya I'm not going to find, allow forgiveness. What is that fourth sin? So it's just worthwhile noting that in Christian theology, they, they att- attempt to explain this verse, this Pasuk, as the selling of the Savior, the selling of their Savior, were the founder of Christianity to the Romans for his death. And it may seem like a trivial misreading, but hundreds upon hundreds of Jews were killed in the name of that, the misinterpretation of this Pasuk um, every Easter. So just to appreciate the significance of this, what does it really mean before the Christians came and, re- and misinterpreted it? So the, the Russian that Babanel says, it refers to the society that Amos looks upon. It's a society which has corruption. That means to say that judges are not giving fair judgment to those that deserve it. Those who are less powerful have less access. They have less access, therefore they are the victims of society. That's, that's what's going on. The Radaka goes on to explain, he says, you know what, even when there's, there, there's, rich, there's corruption in society, adultery, idolatry, and, and, and murder, terrible, terrible things are going on. When there's, when there's a corruption on the social level, when that, there, there's this severe mistreatment, this, this lack of willingness to appreciate the value of, of brotherhood, of living together, that's what it overturns the apple cart. This is what's, what is, is ultimately going to bring the downfall. What is, going back to the image of the wagon, what does it mean like the, this wagon is weighed down? What does that mean? So the, the Malvim suggests that it's, if you can imagine the image of a wagon that's packed full of, of grain, and it has these these borders these uh, along the sides these these walls which keep the grain and to prevent it falling off. He says that's how Kadosh Baruch will prevent us from escaping from our enemies when they come. Will we all so to speak um, cloistered into the cart and unable to escape? Radak says it's the metaphor is for hurting the pain that we'll feel for the overloaded wagon. I'll have to bring hurt to you because of all the sins that you bear upon yourselves as well. Which leads us now to Peregimel, the first eight psuke, in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu now turns to him and says, Shimu es Listen to what I'm about to tell you. I'm going to tell to Israel. And here's what, here's what I have to say, Hashem says. Rak eschem yodati mikol mishpachos adama. I knew only you. I had a relationship only with you because among all the other nations of the earth. Al-Kain, and therefore, efkod alechem eskol And that's why I'm going to take account for all the sins you have caused. And he gives five mishalim, five five examples of, of, of questions. He says, um, "Will two people walk together without being without being aware, without knowing?" The second case is, "Will the lion call out from the forest without having found meat?" Then the next the, the next mashal is is uh, um, um, uh, is uh, is is uh, kfir Will the young lion call out without having captured something? Very similar to the third example, the second example. Will a bird fall to the land if it has not been trapped? Will the, the, the horn blow in the city if the, and people not be, be scared? He goes on to say, and he closes this idea, 
by, by saying HaKadosh Baruch Hu has revealed his side to his Avadav Al-Navim, his Hashem has revealed his message to the prophets, Aryei Sha'ag, the lion has called me who does not fear this. Very powerful message, which is um, in this after in A few basics to think about over here is, why should our closeness, at the beginning, Hashem says that the closeness to us dictates so much punishment. So the Rashi says, you know why? Because he knows all our sins as well. Problem is that that doesn't say that in the Pasuk. It sounds like it's because of his closeness to us, not to our sins. Stephen Ezra says that the, a king is makbed. A king, a king is much more um, um, judgmental of his courtiers because they know and should know his ways. It's not about their sins, but it's because of the way they understand this. The Rabbi Benel takes us one step further to say that Akash Baruch Hu explains that he rules the rest of the world, the other nations of the earth, with Hashkacha Klalis, general providence, but not specific. When it comes to Israel, because of the specific providence he gives them, therefore there's more of a concern about, uh, about uh, things that could perhaps not be overlooked. You have to be much more careful in this. In fact, there was a very beautiful um, observation made by our Lord Jonathan Sachs, in 2014, he attended an international colloquium call on the con- complementarity of man and woman, which is convened in the Vatican, the Vatican under the auspices of Pope Francis. And uh, he, he asked um, the, the representatives of over uh, many religions in 23 countries around the world. And Rabbi Sachs was the keynote speaker on this topic. And he made a, the following observation. He says that the, 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 the following comment, there is a deep connection between monotheism and monogamy just as there is in the opposite direction between idolatry and adultery. Monotheism and monogamy are about the all-embracing relationship between I and thou, myself and the other, be it human or the divine other. What makes the emergence of monogamy unusual is that normally the case and the value of the society are those imposed on it by the ruling class. The ruling class in, in any hierarchical society stands to gain from promiscuity and polygamy both of which multiply the chances of my genes being handed on to the next generation. From monogamy, the rich and powerful lose and the poor and powerless gain. So the return of monogamy goes against the natural grain of social change and was the real triumph of equal dignity of all. Every bride and groom are royalty, every new home a palace with, when furnished with love. What Rabbi Sachs was essentially saying is that's precise the idea. Kosh Baruch was saying is, monotheism demands that same fidelity in relationship and because i know you because i chose you you have the responsibilities of this full commitment to this relationship like the full commitment of monogamy in a human marriage and that's what's being described over here let's close with just i'm trying to understand why are these these mishalim these these parables of the two walking together the lion and the cub finding meat the bird falling with and being caught in the Net ray in the net and and the, and the shofar blowing. What, what what is the purpose of all these descriptions over here as well? So Rashi explains the po- po- is that you tried to silence the prophets, but they cannot be silenced. When they 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 will call out. They have to call out. The word of God is in their mouths. They cannot deliver deliver sanitized messages like you want to hear. The Malvin says that no, you know what the call over here is. It isn't the prophets who are calling out. It isn't an, a, a sign that they are telling you but rather it's actually a sign of the mobilization of the armies of Assyria. It's talking about what's happening around you. You may want to put your head into the sand. You may not want to hear what really is going on, but understand the lion is calling. The Assyrian empire is moving, and because you have ignored the spiritual calls, you will now not be able to ignore the military calls as well. You need to wake up. In fact, the Chida points out that the word Arye, Arye, Arye Yishag, lion will call Milo Yirad, who does not fear, 
Arya is actually an acronym for the letters Elul, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Hashanah Rabbah. The four times a year that a person should be really taking note of their life, taking stock and self-reflection on where they are, like this idea of the lion calling as well. It's worthwhile noting that the Ben Yishchai in his commentary on the Torah called Adaret Eliyahu, that makes point. Makes the point that this is really this 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 prophecy in the, this in the latter half of the Torah is really speak, speaking to the Jews in the, the diaspora, those who've already been exiled. And the message is as follows: You feel like you've been isolated. You feel like you've been rejected. All the rest of the nations are living in peace. They seem to do all kinds of corrupt things, and they still live in in, in, in relative calm. And yet we are living in exile. Why is that? So Baruch Hu says, because I knew you. I have a special relationship with you, which is why I treat you specially. I punish you specially as well. But know that it's coming back. Know that you have the, the for that same reason you can make your way back to Geula. But you want two to go together. You want the Beis which is the Aryeh, the lion to be able to roar again, you want to be able to come to those things, that requires you to do the work necessary to warrant that as well. So it's a call, to, it's a longitudinal call to the understanding of the, the end of this process. Finally, just let's come back to the connection of the parasha. Why is this connected to the parasha? So it's, uh, the most obvious connection is the idea of, of brothers selling their brother for uh, for shoes or for money, which seems to be what happens in our parasha. And you say to yourself, but why, but why is that, that Marshall brought up again over here? It's, you know, it, it's funny, This in, in the the Ten Martyrs, um, which we read about on Tishabab and on Yom Kippur, um, it describes in the Medrash how the king, the Caesar, brings in front of him the leaders of the Jewish community, Rabbi Shimon, who is the Nasi, Barashim Gamliel, and Rabbi Yishmael Kohen Gadol, and asks them, with a pile of shoes in front of them, what's the, what is the punishment for selling or for selling another Jew and they responded the Torah says that kidnapping and selling is is, is liable for the death penalty and he and because of that um, he is able he, he said that no, nobody paid that debt and therefore ultimately he needed to to repay that debt by killing the ten martyrs and you ask yourself like but that's so much further in history what does the selling of Yosef have to do with the times of Amos and Asher? What does the selling of the brothers have to do with the times of the end of the second temple, or the times of Rabbi Yishmael, Khan Gadol, and Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel? And the answer is, is that maybe it's still happening. Maybe we're still selling our brothers down the river. Maybe we really don't care enough about, about those who are around us. Maybe we really are self-centered enough that the sin perpetuates, not because of what the brothers did, but because of what we did, which exemplifies that. And that's why the Sartor is coming to underscore. With this, we conclude. Have a wonderful, meaningful day and a beautiful Shabbat.